Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in, or I should say back in, to Nick's Mail.Bag for this week. You guys did it again. You made us do a two-parter for the second straight week. So we're back for our second part today. But just a reminder, if you guys want to uh, get some tickets for an upcoming Knicks game, make sure to go to Ticket IQ and use promo code Strickland. You can get $10 off an order of $100 or more uh, to go see the Knicks in person. It's I can say I did it this past week. It was really fun. If, if you happen to go for a win, it's still just as fun as you remember. So, you know, maybe go in, get some some, you know, seats, maybe find like a real good deal. So then like ten dollars off is almost like 10 percent off. Solid deal right there. Promo code Strickland at Ticket IQ. Anyway, I will bring us right in now to get into more of your mailbag questions. All right, Zach. Well, now that you're here, we can we can keep working our way through these questions. Oh, do you have any thoughts on the the crying over sports? Uh no, I I don't um I I don't think I've done that, but I I will not look down on someone for doing that. Uh I I appreciate getting jokes off because, you know, that's what we do here. We we get jokes off. But the reality is, yeah, like you're saying, this is like in some ways this is more of a relationship with a team, which by the way, this is this is insane what I'm about to say, but I think it's true. In some ways, your relationship with the team is more than like mo- most relationships you'll have in your life with mm-hmm. people, right? Like this is something that we've spent time doing, not not just time, an inordinate amount of time doing for like decades. So like, of course, of course, you're going to get emotionally caught up in something like that. Uh, yeah. That's totally understandable. Especially when you root for loser teams and it finally yeah. feels like they're about to break oh, through yeah. and then they don't break through. Yeah. It's, it's pretty devastating. Exactly. Um, all right. So moving to our next questions here, because my goodness, we are still only like halfway through this. I noticed. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. You've got mail. Uh, Jax365 has a, a fistful of questions here for us. So from the Strickland Discord. Uh, I asked this question two weeks ago, but I feel it should be asked again. Have any of your guys' opinions moved on Randall? <laughs> 
do you think has your opinion changed any further in any direction? I don't remember exactly what I said, but I don't think so. Although I do appreciate Jack's running this one back because <laughs> yeah. it's a it's a it's an interesting cycle, right? He was playing really well, and now he's playing like dog shit. But I, I mean, think I, we we agreed he was in the middle. Yeah, I still think that I'm just kind of like the ability is still clearly there. His brain is clearly somewhere else right now. Yes, if he could sort that out, great, you know. But he's also not. We talked about this earlier in the show. He's not being like mega overpaid or something either. Uh, right. To where he's like an albatross or something. So, right. I I still feel roughly the same. If they had to get off him at some point, they can, and I don't think it'll be too big of an issue, right? Um, unless things go completely belly up and it's it becomes like a huge disaster. You've got mail. Um, how angry do you think? Uh, the next question from Jax. How angry do you think Ra- uh, Dolan was when Randall mentioned him in his press conference for paying the fine? I, I would argue not angry at all. I think Dolan would probably be proud, right? What what did he say? I miss this. I'm I'm pretty sure that Randall, in response to the fine for him not um, talking to the media, I I didn't see the actual quote, but I, I he I know he in some way acknowledged like, yeah, like you know, shout out to James Dolan, like he paid the fine for me. Oh, just, is that I, legal? Yeah. I mean, oh, okay, okay. Why not? You know. Oh, good. Yeah, that's a that's a fucking awesome move. Yeah, I think that's fine. I mean. And it, ultimately for Dolan, I feel like it sort of comes across as a win in the sense of yeah. like, makes it look like he's like extremely pro mental health and everything. Yeah. And good, just good PR in general. Like, come on. Yeah. Like sticking up for your players, paying their fine. I think he should offer to do the same thing for Tibbs and let Tibbs just go off on the refs <laughs> after one of these games. Because, just for the entertainment value alone. Come on. Yeah. Well, like, but also just to be like, you know, use the public, you know, as, or use the media as your, as your, vehicle to bitch about the officiating and like maybe right. you know get some changes uh here because that feels like the only way it's going to happen for the Knicks because the officiating has just been getting worse like every single game lately I feel like so um yeah I wish Dolan would do it more I feel like Dolan would just like wear that like a badge of honor like yeah I take care of my players yeah I pay their fines right I don't think you get mad you I know think of he course, the players have always liked him yeah generally players do say that they like Dolan um I mean, they could just be saying that, though, actually, not, you know. Yeah, he, does, he is the guy that signs the checks. So. Right, what are you going to do, fucking shit on him? Like, yeah, <laughs> but so, some of them, I think, earnestly sound like they actually like Yeah, like, I agree. It does I, seem sincere. It doesn't sound like lip service. Like, Amari always talked really highly of him. And that's same right. With, uh, same with Mello, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, clearly, if you're a guy that's, like, in good graces with the team and, you know, like, the face of the franchise, it seems like Dolan goes out of his way to make sure that they feel at home and everything, so. I'm sure RJ would probably say something similar if asked right. about it. Um, but yeah, so to move to our next question here, this one's a little more meaty. You've got mail. Uh, how would you help Tibbs change his style of offense? Also from Jax here. So what do you think? Is there like one thing that really stands out to you that would be the the answer here, Zach? Interesting. Um, honestly, so I'm going to take a slightly different avenue with this. I, I think there's always like, <clears throat> you know, we're all fucking intellectuals up our own butts with this stuff. There's things I could suggest <clears throat> that I think would work a, a little bit better than what we're seeing. But I think the reality is this kind of stuff is much more tied to the talent than anyone wants to admit. The reality is that these guys are not playing like you expected them to. Um, some of that is unfair, like Kemba, where, 
you know, we thought anything better than Alfred is good, which is still true, but it's like not good. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, missing Derek Rose is, is a big deal. Um, you don't have anything like that on this roster anymore. And that's what happens is your offense suffers. Like, I, I don't know if it's something schematic so much as, uh, okay, like, yeah, Julius should take less mid-rangers. He would if he had someone else who could, you know, pick up the burden of the offense. RJ's been doing an admirable job of that of late. I mean, relatively, you know. But <clears throat> you'd like to see more. You'd like to see quickly step up a little more than he has. You'd like to see other guys step up a little more than they have, and they haven't. And what it what that tends to look like is that it's a bad stylistic offense, and that's just the reality. Like, OB can't get his good looks because of Rose, you know? All this stuff is tied together. I don't think it's a stylistic thing so much as a talent thing. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, when, when this offense is humming, it hums. Um, you know, and they do a pretty good job of – especially lately when they've been at their best. I mean, they've, doing a really, they've done a really good job of – Swinging the ball around the perimeter, finding like RJ or Fournier or Burks or whoever in the corner for three, um, you know, finding Mitch in the dunker spot uh, in general, just sort of taking looks when you know Mitch is around there, like little floaters and stuff that you know that he'll be able to corral easily and put back up for a, an offensive board. So like there are, you know, certain things that really work with the offense. I think if I was going to if I was going to stress a few things, it would just be like work on your fucking free throws oh my god like, yeah that is oh part of offense god. and they, and they failed catastrophically at it yeah I mean, this is this is insane at this point it's been like two yeah. weeks it feels like well it's been it's been two whole seasons i mean this team has not been a good free throw shooting team no but i feel like it's it's come to a head in the last two weeks you know there oh, yeah. were like two or three games where it's just where like it's, it's like actively costing them games. yeah where it's like oh my god this should not be possible for an nba team yeah so free throw shooting is one thing um, also, uh, the, just like general, like after time outplays, be more creative, you know, run more off screen, you know, off, it's not off ball, but you know, they're all off ball, but like run more screens for guys, get a little more creative to free guys up because I feel like every other team in the league can figure out a way to get someone the ball with five, six seconds left and put them in a decent position, except for the Knicks. Like they're they're one of the teams I feel the least confident about with after timeout situations. Like yeah, I mean I I agree with that. I do want to. Uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. I know you're doing a thing there, but this this is something I've been thinking about for a little while. I, I think this is the nature of of playing with a big man as your best player. Um, more often than not, unless you're talking about the outlier guys. I mean, particularly a four, right? How many how many teams in the league have a four as their best player? And their offensive hub and, and nobody else. I don't think there is one. There's nothing coming to mind right now. The closest thing is like the Pelicans with AD, right? And they were shit. And this is partly why. Like you can't, when it comes to, when it comes to all these other guys, right? When you're running a screen for, uh, John Morant, you can't switch that, right? To the extent that you can at the end of the game with, with other, with, with the next personnel, right? You're not afraid to really switch. If you're switching with Ja, just as an example, he's going to blow by any big man. There's no chance. The Knicks don't have a guy like that. Julius can post up a smaller guy, but that double is going to come. That ball is going to get moved around, and a, and a not good shooter is going to take a shot. You know? Like, there's another big on the floor. 
Um, and that's sort of the reality of the situation. Plus, it takes more time and more effort. And Julius has not even been reliable passing out of double teams this year. So it's like, you know, there it, to me, there's no easy answer to the concept of just switching everything at those end-of-game situations. You know what I mean? You end up in those situations, and it looks like shit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. It, it, it definitely presents a lot of problems. Like, even if Randall tends to play more like a wing a lot of the times, like – He's still not – I mean, he's not like Jason Tatum or – Right. You know, or or uh, DeRozan even. You know what I mean? Like yeah. who, who can sort of just operate quicker and, you know, like sprint through that screen, you know, that off-ball screen to to get open down the, you know, the stretch of the game. Like with Julius, it's kind of – it's just his style of play too. Like if you're getting into him late in the game, he's going to want to break the guy down. Yeah, he's shot. going to step back also every yeah. single time. <laughs> More so than just like being able to just take a screen and just catch and shoot it. Like that's just right. not really his game. Um, so that does make things difficult for sure. Um, the third thing I was going to say was, I mean, if I was going to say throw one wrinkle out there and it's like, I, I think I've already said it three times on this show, but play small a little bit. Like yeah. play small play small and embrace transition because the Knicks have a number of guys that are really talented in transition. And that includes Julius Randle. Like, if you uh, ideally at full health could get a lineup out there of like, like Derrick Rose, um, RJ, Fournier, uh, Julius, and Obi, you know, if you want to make like a really cool, like, hodgepodge uh, starters and bench unit, like, now you've got shooters that can float to the corner. You've got, you know, Obi, who just is constantly running like a wide receiver down the floor, waiting for, you know, a, a long pass to go up for a dunk. You've got Julius, who's great at making those long outlet passes. You know, you have RJ and and uh, Fournier, who can, you know, make the shots from the corners or pull up and transition or, you know, whatever the case may be. And then you have Derrick Rose, who can just kind of like blitz you with speed and, and run the whole length of the floor. That would be a fun new wrinkle. And, you know, we've seen at times when the Knicks embrace transition this year that, they do pretty well. And it, right. it even sort of worked in the Cavs game just the other day where they sort of got out and transition a bit. Um, and it worked well for them, which was in part thanks to them playing passing lanes really well and stuff, which is a whole other thing, but uh, that's on the defensive end. But I think that if they embraced, you know, playing small and running the floor, sometimes you have an opportunity to get some points quick that way. And other teams do it to the Knicks all the time, but the Knicks often don't do it against them. And so, like, you run into a situation like against the Cavs where they blitz you with their fast break and then you don't have an answer to fast break yourself. So then the whole rest of the game, you kind of have to slowly but surely, like, put together twice as many great defensive possessions to then slow it down into a half-court offense and slowly get your points and slowly dig at that lead until you finally come back and, you know, get a chance to win it later on. But um, I guess that would be my my main right other thing there um do you have anything else to add to the offense question before we get to the next one from jack no you covered it you've got mail so next question from jacks uh so he presented this tweet from our very own uh <laughs> matt weiss uh <laughs> also known as matt weiss uh give alec burks a max contract i don't care i don't care from may 23rd i will put the timestamps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I, I put the timestamp there. Oh, okay, um, okay. Just so I could remember when it was from. Okay. Right, so, so it's from May 23rd. Uh, is it Matt's fault that Burks may not be moved by the deadline? Yes. I think that's undeniable. Obviously. Jinxes and curses are 100% real, especially 
from Twitter accounts with less than 500 followers. <laughs> um, so I think that I think that the the Knicks front office was reading Matt's account, knowing how important he is to the Knicks community, and um, you know they they didn't quite give Burks a max, but they're going to treat him like a max player going forward. Right, and we have only Matt to blame for that. Sure, um, you've got mail. So, and then this one, I don't fully get this. Do you follow soccer? No, but I think you forgot a question. No, no, this this is the question. It's the whole thing. Oh. So, will Tibbs ever reduce you to this opinion? Uh, and, and there's a quote here. You got the job on a technicality of a friend who recommended you. You're nothing, you're a fool, and you're a waste of time. Good night. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that this goes with the next thing that was asked. This, this all oh. feels very... This Are you feels, sure? I think this all feels very British to me. And Schwinn seemed to know. <laughs> Schwinn seemed to know what was going on, which makes me think it's a soccer question. So then, also, also in the Discord, you've got mail. Uh, Squeege asked us: uh, Is David Moyes's tenure at West Ham the greatest stint by a Scottish manager in Premier League history? Yeah, I mean that's obviously a soccer question. I don't know if the first one comes with it. I think they do because I think it was they all sort of replied in in step with one another. Okay. So I oh, think so they're doing a bit, you think? I am going to assume that that yeah. quote was directed at David Moyes. Okay. Or Moyes, however you say his name. Uh I'm going to assume that that quote was directed at 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 Mr. David who is uh, either the greatest or worst Scottish manager in Premier League history. Well, let's see how long he was a coach at West Ham. Hold on. I'm going to assume that he's like the David Fisdale of uh, soccer managers. It would be my guess. Uh, um, he seems know. to be pretty good. It's, <laughs> I'm just looking at it. He says, it just has a little snippet here. It says something about his 200th victory as a Premier League manager, which is only the fourth person to reach that milestone. So that seems pretty good. Okay. So he's like, he's like a, like a, at least a Don Nelson or something here. Uh, even oh. if he, oh. let's see here, no results. I couldn't find a. Oh wait, Manchester United fan Andy Tate becomes internet sensation as angry post match rant goes viral. Oh boy! So I guess this is the a United super fan has become an internet sensation after his impassioned post match rants went viral. He was thrust in the spotlight when he was interviewed by YouTube fan channel. Full time devils as the club was knocked out of the the FA Cup in a two one defeat by Swansea in January. He also appeared in more than two or in two more fan cam features in March. Since then, the video has been viewed over two million times and made it in countless parody mashups on social media. Um, all right. Well, what's funny is this this quote could apply to Tibbs uh, <laughs> if if he really crashes and burns at some point. <laughs> Um, I think is the friend like, Jeff Van Gundy. I think t- no, no. The friend is uh, the friend is literally Leon Rose or West. Oh, okay, sure. like they're all like best buddies. Okay, so you got the job on a technicality of a friend who recommended you. You're nothing. You're a fool, and you're a waste of time. Good night. I, I would say that if he put up a David Fisdale season, like a, a nice little 17 win season next year or something, I would say that to him. I would call. <laughs> yeah, Knicks, I mean, I'll call up Knicks fan TV and and get on <laughs> Knicks fan TV and do that. <laughs> So I think that's my answer. Do you have a different answer to that? Uh, n- no, I will say this just reminds me of that quote from Mad Men. I think it's Mad Men, right? Where he just says, I don't even think about you. Yeah, I don't think it's about just like, you It's all. beyond curse words or anything. It's just like, wow, geez. 
Yeah, okay. you're nothing. You're you're a fool, and you're a waste of time. Is pretty pretty like that's you're killing them with. You don't even need curse words at that point. Yeah, like you're just crushing them. Right. That's it. So. It's over. <laughs> You've got mail. All right. Uh, moving to our next questions, uh, also from Discord, ZMP three two three, who I know to be uh, Zach Picorni from Twitter. Uh, what do you think the ceiling is for each of the following players? IQ, Grimes, RJ, Obi, and Mitch. So, uh, spoiler alert, um, Matt and I already went over IQ and Grimes sort of earlier in the show. Okay. Um, Grimes, I said, absolute ceiling, I think, is Clay Thompson if he hits every single thing possible. Okay. Um, so, uh, you can react to that. Do you have a different ceiling for Grimes? No, I think that's a pretty good one, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, and then ceiling for IQ still to this day. I mean, I'm we we were talking, we were saying we think it's increasingly less likely that he hits his ceiling, but I still stand by the like he could become like a Steph Light if he would ever hit his ceiling of oh. being able to hit his jumper consistently, create it if his handle gets better. At this point, I feel like we. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess. Fuck it, whatever. I don't even have a better one, so whatever. Who gives a shit? So Steph Light, you know, we're not even yeah. saying Steph. We're saying Steph Light. So that, yeah, that totally. We well, yeah, he's yeah. I that mean, totally, re- you know, washes us of all. Uh, right. We never said now. how light. Yeah, yeah. It's just you know we were talking like a twenty-five percent. You know, um, <laughs> right. Any anyway, all right. Ceilings for RJ, Obi, and Mitch. All right. So what do you think is the ceiling for RJ? RJ. Uh, I mean, Can I just the, say mine. I've been saying it for like two years now. Jimmy Butler. It's still Jimmy Butler to me. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy, but- Jimmy Jimmy Butler with an outside shot. Yeah, I think the other one that that I think Schwinn first brought this one to my attention is Gordon Hayward, which I think is a good one. Yeah, like the best version of Gordon Hayward. Yeah, because they're both like they kind of similar games. I think RJ is even a little more like I don't know. Hayward never really had any flair, but RJ really does not have any flair. Yeah. It's kind of hilarious, and I think that's why people underrate him. Yeah. He, re- he really just does not have a very aesthetically pleasing game. Like, Jimmy does have a – he plays strong and all that stuff, but yeah. like he definitely plays a little more aesthetically pleasing. Like, he plays more above the rim than RJ does. So that's, like, the big difference between those two. Um so yeah, maybe Gordon Hayward with better defense, I guess, would be the the caveat. Yeah, like some hybrid of of Hayward and Butler. Yeah, that's like the absolute ceiling for RJ. Yeah. Which hey, maybe we're starting to see him turn into that. He's if you if you go off his month of January right now, he's playing every bit as good as one of those two guys. So. Yeah, he's been he's been great. Yeah, uh, Obi, what do you think ceiling for him? Ooh, that's that's tough because I'm still having a hard time classifying Obi in general. Can I throw one out there? Yeah, uh, Kenyon Martin. Ooh, ooh, interesting. Well, Kenyon was a good rebounder, though. Although I, I think like Obi's it. a better rebounder than he gets credit for. You think? I also he Kmart gets around think, a good bit. I don't think Kmart ever averaged more than like eight rebounds in a season. Yeah. Uh, what's Obi averaging per thirty six right now? Uh, well, like first six or five. Six. Kenyon Martin, uh, highest. Okay, he did have one ten rebound per game season, but for his career, was at six point eight. Let's see what his career was per thirty six. Per thirty six for Kmart's career, he averaged eight. Um, okay, and so Obi right now is averaging eight point three per thirty six. Per thirty six, yeah. You'd like yeah. to see that go? I mean, the per thirty six on such a small minute is uh, not too reliable, and you know. Got to do it against starters, but that's that's closer than I thought. I still don't really buy that 
necessarily. I still think Obi gets pushed around a lot, but I mean, relative, not like a lot, a lot, but enough to where, you know, that that would probably be a difference. But I like that from a uh, stylistic comp. Yeah, I just think, you know, guys that live above the rim, you know, good defenders. Yeah, small, small and explosive. Yeah, I mean. great passing. Imagine how fun it would be, like, for example, if you could drop current Obi Toppin into those early 2000s Nets teams where you want to talk about running transition. I mean, they used to just run, 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 run yeah. with uh, with Kidd and, and Richard Jefferson and uh, Kmart. Right. I mean, I think he would fit right in into that situation. Like, if you put him right in for Kmart, obviously there was, you would still need some more seasoning for Obi to be the player that he was back then. But, I mean, they used to play Kmart basically at center, like a small ball center where they just oh, yeah, raced. Absolutely. running like mad, you know, yeah. and, and just getting out in transition. So, um, that's yeah, the closest I, one I can think of right now. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. I think it would be a good season. Cause I also don't see Obi ever becoming like a super dynamite scorer either. Like Kmart's highest was 16 and a half points a game. That's actually higher than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can see Obi just settling in as like a 15 and 15 and seven player that, Provides tons and tons of energy and does a lot more than what shows up on the stat sheet. Right. Um, which was sort of what Kmart's, you know, calling card was, I think. Um, and then who's uh, Mitch? What do you think Mitch's ceiling is? Oh, well, you know, you know how high I am on Mitch. We're both fucking high as hell. I mean, I guess not so much anymore. Or maybe, maybe just modulated a little bit. His ceiling is like, I don't know, Tyson Chandler, deep defensive player of the year. Yeah. Maybe even better. Yeah. I mean, I still say it's I, – I think he could – if he learns to screen hard and everything, he could still meet those Rudy Gobert comps eventually. Like, I think that he – you know, and it's it's going to require a lot on his end, you know, as far as working to get better and stuff and working on the little things in his game. But, like, the blueprint's there. I think he's got the right body type. He has the right defensive instincts if he can hone them properly. Uh, he has the right abilities, I think, to, you know, he, we already see how much he scares people away from the rim. Um, I think there's a world where he could he could still, if everything breaks right for him, and that's what ceiling comps are. Ceiling comps are 100% outcome. I think he could still turn into Rudy Gobert, basically. Right. I think that's my answer. Um, so, yeah, I think that's it. For all those guys, so you know, obviously, what we're saying is is that the uh, the Knicks are going to turn into some weird amalgamation of the early two thousands Nets, uh, the current Utah Jazz, the current Golden State Warriors, and uh, whatever team Jimmy Butler happens to be on it. Yeah, and RJ Barrett for uh, MVP. Yeah, yeah, and RJ would just be MVP, obviously. Right. Or, you know, maybe IQ when he turns into Steph, you know. the No, no, no Steph Light. Steph oh, Light. yeah, true, true. We did we did stick with Steph Light. So, <laughs> never mind. RJ wins MVP. Mitch gets DPOY. Uh, That's that right. That obviously happen. You've got mail. All right. Uh, choose the NBA team. you. Uh, this also comes from, uh, from Zach, ZMP323. Choose the NBA team you'd become a fan of if the Knicks didn't exist. Excluding oh. that team from New Jersey, fuck them. I kind of like that question. Do you, have you had a team that you've always sort of rooted for a little bit? Um, no, it's always been different year by year. It's just kind of what team is kind of fun or I like. It's often teams are that are kind of the opposite of the Knicks. Like, if you remember those Knicks teams that just – those years where they just sucked at defense for like five straight years 
uh, any defensive team I would watch and like get off to it. Um, so right now it might, I mean, it's hard to say that I would become a fan. I think I would just float around, but maybe this year, you know, I would like to see some dynamism off the dribble. I mean, Golden State is always, I mean, come on. Like, come on. I would love to root for Steph. The Grizzlies are a good answer for me. And, uh, you know, I actually kind of, I always kind of like Philly because they kind of remind me of the Knicks in a lot of ways. And, like, the kind of drama and the way the fans overreact to everything and and, and all the shit that happens to them. And uh, Embiid is a fucking beast. So, uh, maybe that would be my Eastern Conference team. Yeah, I've always like so I'm sort of with you. My like other team always kind of fluctuates. Like I used to like the I liked the Magic and the Rockets because I was a big T Mac guy, right? So you know I kind of followed him around a bit when the Knicks were garbage. You know I just kind of rooted for his teams, which was no less painful because um, <laughs> they just lost in the first round every year. Yeah. I used to love the seven seconds or less Suns. You know, I really enjoy watching the Warriors too. I'm totally with you on that. Uh, I don't know if I would necessarily become fans of those teams though, because I just need more pain in my life um, (laughs) than, you know, constant uh, conference finals or titles appearances. You know, Um, I've always sort of gravitated towards Portland for some reason. This year has been kind of rough for them, but like by and large, they're, watchable every I agree. Year. They're fun in the playoffs, too. Yeah, and they're just like a fun team. Like, Dame is a fun player at his best. Yeah. So, I, I would probably gravitate towards them a little bit. Ironically, like, it, had they never moved to Brooklyn, like, the Nets kind of were always a team that I would lightly root for because I'm from New Jersey. So, right. you know, it was just kind of like, oh, well, like, I'm a Knicks fan, but, you know, I don't really have any bad blood against the Nets and, like, their Jersey's team. So, like, I'll root for them a little bit. But I would have never followed them to Brooklyn had they been my primary team because it was just stupid that they ever moved there to begin with. Um, so, but like back in like the the kid, you know, Kmart, Richard Jefferson era, I really did. And then Vince Carter when he went there, I used to like watching them, and I'll kind of lightly root for them. If it was present day, though, it would, it would probably end up being Portland. I'm kind of a night owl too, so I feel like it, it would be a pretty nice transition to root for a West Coast team where I could just stay up late all the time. Yeah, um, but I'd have to buy League Pass and stuff because obviously wouldn't get that on TV. But yeah, I think I think probably Portland is my answer. Okay, I can't really think of another team that's got like I don't really have another player outside of the Knicks that I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, like that player is like my favorite player in the entire league, and I would definitely just root for that guy's team. Yeah, I kind of just hate everyone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think it's because of I think it's I'm because of dumb, I think it's because I've doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on the Knicks so hard that I'm just like, right, exactly else. right. No, fu- anyone else's success is not the Knicks' success, and therefore, fuck them. Exactly. So yeah, that's <laughs> that's where I guess I would just go with Portland. I think is my answer because Dan- Lillard is the closest thing that I have to that player in the league right now. Yeah, that that I would just say I'm just like a fan of that player in general. You've got mail. So our next question also comes from Discord, Ronnie from Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> Asks us when you saw RJ hold back his own teammate Nerlens when he was upset at the Ed Davis foul instead of talking shit to Davis. Did you die a little inside? Um, I didn't think he was pulling him back from. Well, I mostly just think he was trying to save him from getting the technical. So I didn't totally hate it. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I didn't. I honestly didn't even think about that. Like, I, I didn't watch that replay and be like, oh, RJ's playing away. Like, I just didn't notice that. It was just a little spat, and they, they went. Like, nothing was going to happen. 
Yeah, it's like, you know, I I think that I if anything, I'd say that makes RJ a good teammate because the Knicks certainly have been hit with a number of bullshit technicals lately. Yeah. So, you know, if they would have gotten another one, that would be really infuriating, especially in a close game like that. If you can look back on it and be like, oh, yeah, if they hadn't gotten that technical, then, you know, would have been a closer game down the stretch. They maybe right. could have won it, you know, it's right. just, would have just been something more to bellyache about later. So, yeah, I actually appreciate that. I mean, I don't know. They, they've they had a – RJ himself, I mean, literally got himself a technical the other day intentionally, you know, was, against – Was that the, in that game or was that another one? I can't remember. That was in the, that was in the Clippers game. Oh, right, that, right, right, right. That was yes. at the Garden because I saw that one. Yeah. Like, that was – like, he literally – Got fouled, didn't get a call. So then when Zubats got the rebound, you know, fouled him. smothered him just so we could turn around and yell, yeah, and yell at that, right? <laughs> um, without having to, you know, give up like two points down the other end, which I actually well, thought was good. Like I respected. <laughs> yeah, I respected that. But, you know, tighter game uh, like that against Cleveland where like the Knicks were already kind of comfortably ahead in that game. So he knew that he could get away with that. But in a tighter game, you definitely want your teammates looking out and calming your head down so you don't cost the team a point. Uh, so I, I didn't mind it. You've got mail. Um, and then Ronnie also asked, do you crave blood in the garden? Uh, I'm a, this has to be a, a reference to Chris Herring's book. Uh, so if we're talking about Chris Herring's book, hell yeah, it is a really good book. And, uh, I'm reading oh, did you get second. a copy? Oh, I got an advanced copy, baby. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Mr. Big Shot. Yeah. I got an advanced copy. So I, I've, I've been had it. You know, okay, I, so I have a slightly related question. I didn't get to watch those teams. Is it still going to be compelling enough for someone like me to be worth picking up? Yes, because he does a really good job of framing the whole journey. Okay. So, you know, I'm like familiar with, you know what I mean? Like, uh, right. like, like uh, Charles Smith, you know, missing the four attempts at the rim or whatever, or, um, you know, that, those all those moments, you know what I mean? But or like Pat Riley coming in and like the fact that the Knicks, you know, had like essentially like the bad boys 2.0 defense, you know, all that stuff. I'm familiar with all that, but I, you know, I don't know all the stuff like an encyclopedia. I think Chris did a really good job of like framing out the moment for you and then giving you stuff that is interesting to you if you didn't live through it and interesting to you if you did right. live through it. Okay. Um, so I, I really liked it. I thought there it was you cool. go. Yeah. Um, but yes, I do crave it uh, so much so that I'll probably get done podcasting for tonight and continue my second read through before nice. probably having Chris on locked on next sometime this week. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so to move to our next question here, you've got mail. Uh, this one comes from Val at uh, Val, Valet Pasquet 45. I think that's how this pronounced on Twitter. Pasquet. Pasquet. I, I made that up. Don't listen to me. Uh, it sounds right to me. Um, how can the front office land Zion and when? Zach. Go. I love this. Love. I love how far we're getting ahead of ourselves. Honestly, that's not even a sarcastic thing. I, I fucking love it. Um, I don't think the FO has any agency in this whatsoever. This is if Zion wants to come here, he's coming here, and that's it. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's kind of that. I, I think that more of this question – lands on Zion than the Knicks front office, right? Like the Knicks can say to RJ Barrett, like, Hey, we're not technically allowed to place a phone call to Zion. So pass this info on to him. We're ready to rock. You know, if he really starts making this power play, we'll get him here. Um, But really what would have to happen is Zion would have to say, you know, 
okay, I've already got a gazillion dollar deal from Jordan Brands, you know, that was guaranteed money. You know, if, I think he got like over $10 million a season just for Jordan Brand right now. Uh, you know, look at all of his other endorsements, Mountain Dew, you know, whatever else that he's getting paid by and say, okay, I'm making this amount of money. I can afford to just sign the qualifying offer or at least threaten to uh, like what Porzingis did, but on a bigger yeah. scale because he's obviously a better player at his peak. Um, and then what would basically happen is he could say, trade me to the Knicks or if you trade me to any other team, I will sign the qualifying offer and just go to the Knicks as an unrestricted free agent after that year. And at that point, you know, and, and this is already like, this could potentially come up as soon as like next season, if Zion really wants to push that button, but then new Orleans would have to decide if they want to call his bluff or not. And right. they're probably because of his issues with his weight and injuries and everything, they're probably having some internal discussions too, about like, do we want to hand this guy a rookie max deal? Because you know he's going to command that his he and his agent probably aren't going to accept anything less at this point. No, I was going to say, do you even want Zion for that reason? Are we sure? I mean, my working theory is that he's eating his way out of New Orleans. I think that he's just decided he doesn't like David Griffin, doesn't like the way that he's taking the team, and he's already started leaking stuff to the press. Like he and his team have already started leaking things, like. You know, that Zion's not happy there, that he's not happy with Griffin's performance, all this stuff. Like, I, I think that it's uh, uh, it's basically uh, to the point where I think he's trying to just sort of like, I don't, I, it sounds really bad, but like stay injured almost, like stay unavailable for them and, and put them in that tough situation so they have to get him out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, if you're the Knicks, you need some real assurances of like, Hey man, like, you know, you might be trying to, but we've seen the pictures. Like, you need to get in shape. Like, <laughs> you right. cannot be three hundred pounds coming yeah. to the Knicks and expect this to work. Uh, so we need some assurances from you too that you're going to try your best and be in shape and everything else. Um, but yeah, maybe I'm a little too tinfoil hatty, but that's kind of what I see so far. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Do you have any? Do you have any different opinions on that? No, no, no. That makes sense. All right. All right. You've got mail. Uh, so moving to our next question here. Uh, this one comes from Bomber BCM in the Discord. Uh, the only real pushback I think was valid about RJ not being this team's primary was his lack of isolation shot creation. With RJ now consistently being able to punish bigs on switches, what excuse is there to not give him the keys? Answer is if you were Tibbs. So, Zach, I'll throw that to you. Answer this one as if you were okay. Tibbs. I like this. Uh, that's a good question. I, I think the, the real answer is just that. And I think Tibbs would honestly probably, I mean, well, number one, uh, there's the team dynamic of it. But even ignoring that, if we just look at the, at the basketball argument for it, I think the only thing is just consistency, which has always been the thing with RJ, right? RJ's proving his ceiling is higher than we thought. Uh, well, well I, let me not say we. I think we have been pretty high on him, all things considered. Um, and I think he's proving that his ceiling is pretty high and that we were right to believe that. But he has to do it consistently. And even more in a micro sense, like Bomber is saying here, being able to punish those bigs on switches, that's something that's been coming along real nice. I need to keep seeing it. And that's it. We got to keep seeing it. Because the thing is, eventually teams are not going to keep switching that if he may, if he makes it punish. This is what 
This is what we were talking about before, sort of, which is that if he starts killing those switches consistently enough, they're not going to switch it anymore. And he's going to start getting the kind of coverages that where he can create for other people. And and that's when things really open up, right? Like, you don't switch up big onto Steph. You're out of your fucking mind. Uh, obviously, RJ is not Steph, but it's the same concept. There are certain guys you cannot switch. If you can get, establish RJ as one of those guys, he's going to prove that uh, that he can be that primary guy. That's why Julius is, even though he hasn't been good at it. It's the same idea. He's the kind of guy you go to to punish the switch. Derek Rose was also that kind of guy. And that's why he was one of the primary offensive engines and why they miss him so much. RJ, I think, can step into that role and got to continue to do it. And that's it. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think it's sort of the same. You know, I, I have basically the same opinion in that, like, you know, you just have to. Uh, my only pushback, I guess, is that, you know, I think RJ is punishing switches really well now. But I think he's still at least somewhat dependent on his creation coming from his teammates in a way, it, not in the sense that he needs them to, to tee it up for him and just be like a spot up shooter, but that, you know, to get those mismatches or to just break down his normal defender, he needs like a screen or something still. And there's right. nothing wrong with that. But, you know, if he was one-on-one with like Jimmy Butler or something to bring Jimmy Butler up again, yeah. You know, I think he he might struggle to to just break him down off the dribble in a one on one situation, um, and just create a look there. Which, granted, a lot of players do do that. You know, a lot of players would struggle with that because Jimmy Butler's a fantastic defender. But I think that's just sort of the reality for uh, RJ at this point still. And he's working on it. He's obviously getting a lot better at it. But he's getting great at punishing bigs on switches and stuff. Yeah, there's no rush. Seeing yeah. that is huge progress. Him and I mean, he's playing like an all star this past month. So right. you know the. the Things are trending the right direction. You've got mail. All right, so moving to our next question. This one comes from, oh boy, uh, I, I, is this <laughs> is this like an abbreviation for like a uh, like a new show, like one of those like NCIS? Or You're something? thinking, yeah, NCIS. I I C N I C I C S. Um, I don't know what that stands for. It's uh, like or, Kyle Quinn's tweets back in the day. Yeah, or it's Ignickics. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. You've got mail. Anyway, on Twitter at Kale Not Kale asks, "Have you seen enough from Obi that you see a real All Star quality, or that you that you can see a real All Star quality young point guard elevate him to starter? We see how much he has missed Rose. No disrespect to IQ, or is he always going to be a six man backup power forward here in New York? Well, I think that's sort of the key part, right? The here in New York part. Um." It's funny. I, I like. I just recorded earlier today a, a show with uh, for Locked On Knicks with the Locked On Pacers guy, and talked about like potentially trading for Miles Turner. And he asked me like, "Okay, I'm intrigued by Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, and Quentin Grimes. Like, is there any chance that the Knicks would include any of those guys in a trade?" And I was like, you know, honestly, I would not be 100 percent surprised that they included Obi Toppin just due to the fact that. I don't see a path to him getting minutes here as long as Julius Randle exists. So like, I don't even think it's a question of, can they get a point guard that can elevate Obi to that level? It's like, can Obi like ever find that level here with the giant Julius Randle size roadblock in front of him? Right. And I just don't ever really see it happening. I, I assume that the, I, I don't know if maybe this is like a real all-star quality young point guard. I don't know if, 
if Kale is trying to sort of insinuate like De'Aaron Fox here or something, who we already talked about earlier. Um, you know, when that was before you got on, Matt and I talked about like a potential Fox deal. Right. I, I don't know if that's the thought here or what, but like, I don't know if I could see any particular point guard just like elevating Obi to starter status. I think he's already got that in him potentially, but he's just roadblocked by Julius playing the same position and Tibbs refusing to play them together. Yeah, I think that's right. And that's the unfortunate reality. Um, I mean, even if that wasn't the case, I, I don't think he's going to come out as a starter right away. He's got to he's gotta start hitting the jumpers. He did it in Cleveland yesterday, and you could see how much that changes everything for him. All of a sudden, it, you know, everything becomes easier, and that's obvious. The, the teams ignore him, and he still does what he does. If they, if they have to respect him as a shooter, it's going to just – you know, make things so much easier for him that it, it would actually be pretty incredible. So uh, I, I'm not sure what the answer is to this question, but I will say that that answer probably depends on his shooting ability. Yeah, I, I think it's just opportunity. And then, yeah, like if he's going to find a place on the Knicks or elsewhere as a starter going forward, he's going to have to shoot better than like 19% for yeah. three or whatever he's been shooting this year, yeah. at least if he wants to stick as a starter. Right. You know, like you got to get to, I, I think, and this might be like kind of blasphemous, you know, because I know not a lot of Knicks fans are super fond of him, but if he could find himself an offensive niche like John Collins, I think that would probably be pretty ideal for him where, you know, he can slash, he can, you know, get to the rim and finish hard with, with big dunks and stuff, but also can like hit like 35% on corner threes and stuff. Yeah. That's that's probably the path to Obi becoming like a, a legit, you know, NBA starter yeah, at the power point. forward spot, I think. So uh all right, we'll move to our next question. You've got mail. Our questions from Jake Andrews at NY Critics on Twitter. Uh so Jake has three questions for us. First one This next season really turned after the first twenty games. I hear a lot of criticism of Tibbs, Kemba, Evan, etc. I'm wondering if we're maybe underestimating the impact losing Derrick Rose has caused. The Knicks were largely up and down last year until he arrived in the same since he's been injured. I'm not sure if it's just the lack of one of Tibbs' favorite toys or if Rose fixes a fundamental gap in the lineup, but maybe we should be focusing at it like the Knicks have lost their quote-unquote MIP in Rose. Just a thought. Um, Zach, what do you think about that before I get Yeah, I think that's right. I think we talked about this a bunch, right? When, yeah. when Rose Definitely when Rose got injured. Uh, I, I completely agree with Jake. This is, I mean, he might be, uh, this is something I, I, one of my favorite football podcasts talks about a lot. Uh, the Around the NFL podcast, those guys are hilarious. They call it like the Jenga piece on a football team. It may not be the best player, but it's the player when you remove them that remove, that ruins the team the most, right? Just because like maybe the backup isn't as good or they play a role that's super valuable on the team that they play for. And I think that's Derek Rose. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's a pretty safe assessment. Like he definitely, he plays like the heart and soul of the team a lot. Um, but in addition, you know, he unlocked so much of what made that bench unit so good. Yeah. And once he left, you know, then all of a sudden you don't see like half court lobs to Obi Toppin in transition anymore and stuff like that. Cause there's, he's like probably the only guy on the team that can really throw that pass. Um, other than like maybe Julius Randall. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that there is something to be said for that. I do think 
also, you know, it's important to consider too, like his impact was not as high right before he finally, you know, was ruled out with the, the surgery. And I think that's because, I mean, he kept having sporadic, like game off here, game off there for this like ankle injury that we kept hearing about. And then he would come out and he would play through it in the games that he played, but clearly looked kind of hampered. You know, I hope maybe for the Knicks, you know, regardless of what they do at the trade deadline beyond, you know, just the reddish deal that maybe the Rose, you know, re-entry into the lineup, sort of like what we saw with Nerlens, where like Nerlens these last few games finally looks healthy um, and is right. now starting to give the impact of last year. Maybe yeah. we get a finally healthy Rose inserted in the lineup and it leads to a good stretch run for the Knicks if they can just kind of keep their head above water until then. Um, of course, that's a big ask because there's still, you know, at least two weeks before Rose even, I think, becomes starts to become eligible to come back. I don't know. How long ago was that surgery now? Was that? I honestly have no idea. Yeah, it was definitely before Christmas, right? Like, he definitely... Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure. I think it's probably been about four weeks by now. So, I think I think the initial timetable was, like, eight weeks. And then the timetable announced after that, like, Woj kind of, like, Yeah, it was around the 20th. Okay. Like. So, then, yeah, so it's been about four weeks, like, or maybe pushing five weeks now. So, you know, we might start hearing rumblings as soon as, like, a week or two from now about him coming back. Woj had said six weeks, the initial diagnosis and report was like eight weeks. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, if he could find his way back in and he's fully healthy after that surgery and the rehab and everything, then, you know, maybe the Knicks get their sort of deadline addition two years in a row with Rose that is able to make like a really big difference for them off the bench. So, Um, but yeah, definitely it's, it's been a huge loss. There's no understating it for sure. You've got mail. Uh, So Jake's second question here. Make Cam Reddish make sense on this roster. Do they need another trade to do so? I get that we gave up a little, but it wasn't nothing. Uh, and I was perfectly content letting Knox sit all year. I'm not content trading a first-round pick to slide Reddish into Knox's spot on the bench. Uh, I definitely feel that. Um, Zach, what do you think? <laughs> as far, do you think there's a move coming? I mean, like, Matt and I kind of talked about this earlier um, in the sense that we got asked, like, would you want to be a buyer or a seller? We both kind of universally agreed on Alec Burks should probably go. Yeah, in, I agree. In, in part making room for Reddish. But like, yeah. what do you think about the Reddish deal? Is it sort of uh, square peg round hole right now? I, I think it's sort of. I mean, there, there's a – it's just – yeah, there's, there's so many guys. It's so hard to find minutes. Um, I, I think what you guys were saying is right. I, I think – Burks fits the right combination of piece that other teams value and will will be valuable to other teams, plus is taking up, you know, a valuable spot here. In, in I mean, first of all, we can stop point Burks experiment. That that'll be over. But I mean, you pretty much one for one can put Cam Reddish into his minutes and call it a day. Um which I think is a good idea. This I'm not going to call it a lost season, but I don't think there's any need to feel like you have to push this roster to the absolute limit and, and get every possible win uh, based on what we've seen so far. This team is clearly not going anywhere in the playoffs. So, um, you know, I, that's what I would like to see. I'm with you guys. I, I like Burks a lot. Uh, I think he's a good player, and I think that's why he's got to be the one you move. Yeah, and I think, too, the other thing is, like, you can – you can move Burks and get some return for him. And I think that Reddish 
at least in theory, can largely do a lot of the same stuff that he does, but he's younger, taller, faster. You know, uh, you have more of a ball of clay, but less refined you right. know, at this point. But he's got, you know, the pull-up shooting, regardless of if he's got some issues with, you know, converting on those. But he has the ability to break a defender down, the ability to, you know, take pull-up shots, to, to take spot-up three-pointers, to defend his butt off and, like, really do a good job on that end. It's just going to be a matter of putting it all together. But like the quickest way to get Reddish this tryout that they clearly want to give him is to move Burks and free up those like minimum like 20 minutes or so a game that he would vacate and just kind of, you know, throw Reddish in there with because like I think the one universal truth is like Grimes is not going to lose his minutes now. I think he's too too endeared to Tibbs, Uh, you know, so you're not going to get Reddish minutes by cutting into Grimes' minutes. So it's going to have to be Yeah, definitely not RJ either. And I'd love to, you know, the other day, Tibbs played Reddish to spell RJ. I would like to see them play together. Yeah, me too. Because, you know, I want to see if that Duke chemistry is real or not. Yeah, and and for fun. Come on. Yeah. We have some fucking fun. This season's been not fun. Yeah, yeah. That would make for a fun lineup no matter what because they'd be running and, you know, probably playing uh you know back and forth to one another a little yeah bit i want to see those like remember those celebrations dude yeah remember they do some wild shit and everyone be going crazy they'd be having a great time i want more of that that's yeah. our way to do it yeah i think so too you've got mail uh so then jake's third question here uh <laughs> All right, so let- clap him back. I respect it. Yeah, I respect the clap back. I'm going to give a little clarification, though, because when I read this question, I was like, man, I don't think we were that harsh. Uh, so last time you guys just lit a bonfire roasting me for suggesting that the vets were, quote unquote, in the way and that they're not going to be part of the solution. So we should chuck them. But it seems that Schwinnie Poo has come to the same conclusion. Throw some grenades his way. So I'll just say to defend our stance on the last one, Jake, our understanding of of your your want the last time around was essentially like why don't the Knicks just jet everybody who you could reasonably consider a veteran and just play the kids so like send out Randall Burks Noel Taj like basically anybody other than maybe like Rose you know and just send them all out and just play the kids the rest of the season and like our our basic point was just like that basically just puts you back to where you were previously. And we literally just saw how that works, you know, with, for all of his faults, like without playing with Randall, there's a lot less attention being paid to one player on the court. And Randall for all of his faults draws that attention, opens up a lot of opportunities for like RJ and other guys. And we saw how that played out in those two games where the Knicks just got absolutely smushed when Randall was out for the, the COVID protocols. So I think that was more our thing. Like we just said, like, you know, it's fine. Like, let's get rid of Alec Burks. You know, that that's cool because that frees up m- more time for the young players who are playing well already. And in the case of Reddish, a guy who you really want to get a good look at, and Burks is kind of more of a luxury than a necessity um, for, like, the amount that he makes and the role that he plays and all that stuff. So, you know, that's sort of just where we stand on that, I think, I, unless I'm not speaking correctly for you, Zach. But that was... No, the, no. I, I think I was trying to remember what we said, honestly. Um, but... If the intent here is to drag Schwinn into this as well, I can certainly call Schwinn an idiot if that's what if that's what the intent here is, Jake. Yeah, I don't even know what Schwinn said on Twitter. Or yeah, I don't, I don't know, but if he's on the, if he's on team trade, everyone ex- and play the young guys, Schwinn, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, Schwinn's an idiot. Clearly. Yeah, I mean we knew that. That's nothing. 
that's nothing new. No, no, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you, well, Jake, for pointing that out. Yeah, Jake, just <laughs> consider the grenade thrown. Yeah. <laughs> You've got mail. All right. Uh, our next question feels just a little tongue in cheek. This comes from <laughs> comes from Ace B via the Discord. Is this the best Knicks season of all time? Only yes or no answers, but please discuss. Yes. I'm so confused by this question. He said I mean, only yes or no answers, but please discuss. Yeah. So yes or no, but you know, make sure to discuss. I think that means we can only say the word yes or no to try to get our point across. So what do you go ahead and try? No. Okay. All right. Well, I was going to say like no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I'm cheating by even saying anything. No. 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 I feel like the fucking seagull in Finding Nemo. Mine? <laughs> Not? Okay, that's enough. Oh, All right, that's enough of that. But uh, <laughs> to answer it seriously, no, it is not the best. Obviously not. Ace. God damn. Last year had had some claim for best next season of my lifetime, though. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was so yeah. fun. Yeah. Like, oh. I mean, that's, that's not totally fair. Of my Knicks viewing lifetime, which, you know, started right. at like the 99 finals. Right? Nah, that's what we mean. You know, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because obviously we technically lived through like the best year of Knicks basketball yeah. in the last 30 years. Technically. You've got mail. Um, anyway. All right. So next question comes from Zebo 187 in the discord. Tommy Beer had a recent article about how impressed the front office was with McBride and Jokobitis. Hard to see where they get minutes for next season when we have the following guys they have to compete with. Kemba, Fournier, IQ, Rose, and Grimes. We know Tibbs is only playing four guards. To start next season, which of these guys is traded, who's in the rotation, and who is situational? What do you think? Uh, I mean, I, I think the answer is not what people want to hear, but it's the, the only one we... I mean, we have to assume that McBride and how do you say his fucking name? Jokobitis. Jokobitis is that? Are we Ro- sure? Rokus Jokobitis. Yeah. Rokus Jokobitis. Um, which one's easier? I'm calling him Rokus. That's easier. Okay. Uh, Rokus and Deuce are, are going to be the odd man out. Uh, it's just it's a reality. I mean, maybe Kemba gets benched, and maybe Rokus takes that spot. Maybe. Uh, but. That's the only way I can see that really happening. I mean, there's always a chance, right, that one of these guys pops because the way this always works is, you know, it's easy to look at it on paper and say, well, okay, Deuce is in the G League this year and therefore he's not going to play next year. And that's a pretty logical guess. But he could just come out in training camp preseason and be like whooping ass. And like, like Grimes has where he just, you have to play him. It could happen. Could happen with Rokas too. Um, it, it, it's possible. And, and look, you know, Fournier and, and IQ have not. I mean, I hate to say this about IQ, but neither of those guys have exactly put a clamp on the position. It was someone came in and lit the world on fire. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that's likely, but it's possible. So, but the reality is, if we're if I'm a betting man, Deuce and Rokas are the ones on on the outside looking in. Yeah, I think. Um... I think Kemba's going to get traded, like maybe even by this deadline. No sourcing or anything; it's just a just a hunch. Yeah, um, I don't think he's going to be on the roster to start next year, so that spot frees up. Then that 
that begs like, okay, so who starts? Is it going to be Rose? Do they finally put IQ in the starting lineup? Or do one of Deuce or Jokobitis like stake a claim on that? I don't know for sure. Uh, Jokobitis, though, I will say like, I mean, have you seen some of the stuff he's doing yeah. over, over in Spain? Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, he's like, he is arguably putting up like mini Luca performances on something. Yeah, and he's a real wild card because yeah. it's really hard. I mean, people I trust, and I'm sure you've seen the same thing, are, are, are like loving this guy. Yeah. But you never know how it's going to go. I mean, the thing is, though, you see these guys come over and, and they tend to do well. They're, they're playing in a professional environment. That league is no joke. So, yeah, uh, it's possible. Yeah. And Jokobitis, I think last I saw, at least for a, a large swath of games, was averaging like almost 20 per game and, and all this wow. other stuff. Over and they play game. pretty slow, right? They play, I, I mean, is it a shorter game or a slower pace or both? They they play a slower pace generally, right. a little more methodical, you know. Right. and Because and I remember Wuka was not putting up those. I mean, he was putting up numbers, of course, but nothing Nothing that really jumped out if you're looking at it from an NBA perspective. Yeah, I think Luca was putting up like 26 and six over there, or like 18 six and six. Oh, was it really? Like yeah. Wow. I mean, 20. Yeah, that's still impressive. I mean, obviously. he did. He won the MVP of that league, right. at like at like 19 years old or 18 right. years old or whatever. So right. Um, and then he comes over here and starts dicking everyone around. So you know, yeah, it, it does matter. Yeah, I think I think Jokobitis, based off what I've seen, has a lot of those sort of skills that you think are going to translate immediately to the NBA. Anyway, the point. Point being, like maybe he comes over and he is like straight up a prodigy and like becomes one of the best yeah, second round picks be. of all time immediately, right? Um, and snatches a starting job. If I was a betting man, I would probably say Fournier is going to stick around, probably still be the starter next year, um, and hopefully he closes the season out strong. I think things have been trending in a positive direction for him recently. Yeah. Um, and then as far as your starter, maybe it's someone who's not even on the roster yet that we just don't know, uh, but. If they, if literally all they do is bring over Jokobitis and have Deuce, and then you know just keep everything else the same other than getting rid of Kemba, uh, maybe IQ finally gets the nod. Um, I would hope that they would be willing to sort of like reward him for his play like that, but uh, I I don't know for sure. Um, I guess my dark horse would be Jokobitis, you know, more so than Deuce. I think might you know come over and. Be like, look at all this cool shit I was working on all last year in the EuroLeague and right. like really, really floors them with how good he looks and um you know, it ends up as as the guy who is, you know, sort of in the rotation as like the starter. Obviously IQ and Rose will still be in the in the rotation though. Grimes will still be in the rotation. I would say it's more than likely that McBride and Jokobitis are both situational. And that's just sort of how it shakes out. And right. Kemba's the only one that's traded. But that, that completely leaves out the possibility of like a Jalen Brunson or something too, which would throw a whole wrench in the whole thing, would just immediately be the starter over all those guys. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. You've got mail. Uh, so to move to the next question, Zebo 187 asks another question here. Does Lucas Samanich still have uh, a shot at making the 15-man roster next season after the cam trade? It, you, you know who Samanich is, right? Yeah, the guy the Spurs drafted. Who we? Yeah. I mean, is he in the G League? Where is he right he now? Yes, he he's playing for the Knicks okay. in the G League. Uh, but he, I haven't seen anything about him. I'm assuming he's not doing that well. No, he's doing quite well actually. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and so he's uh, uh, he's playing for the Westchester Knicks, but he's signed to the Knicks' second two way contract. Um, the first one is uh, or is he? I don't. 
now I'm now I'm struggling to remember if he is on the second two way or if he is just signed to the Westchester Knicks. I think he's on a two way though. I think the Knicks have like ownership over his rights that way. Um, but he is. I'm pulling up his G League stats right now. <laughs> oh, it's even better than I thought. Oh my goodness. He's he's averaging 27.6 points per game. What? On 54.5% from the field, uh, 36.7 from three on 6.1 attempts per game, and 87% from the free throw line. Holy shit. As well as 10.4 rebounds, 3.4 assists, uh, a block a block and half a steal. What the fuck? Yeah, no, he's he's how come his highlights never show up on my timeline? I've always seen the deuce highlights. But what were this guy? Uh, he's shown up some. Like, actually, Prez did a that video of Deuce's first Westchester game for us, and there was a lot of Samanich in there. If you want to watch that, oh, uh, they're good plug. Or for anyone else listening, if you want to go to Strickland and look for it was like a few weeks ago when Deuce went down to Westchester and like tore it up for like thirty points or whatever. Yeah, I thought um, I, I thought I saw that video, but um, maybe I just missed that part. Um, or parts. Well, he Samanich just kept popping up and like yeah, you know, just kept being like, "Here's Luca again. Look at him." <laughs> that was basically. <laughs> it. Well, so I mean, in, in that case, to bring this back to the question, I mean, that's a good sign for him. I mean, it's better for him to be dicking around the G League than to not be. Um, we don't know what the 15 man roster is going to look like. I mean, right now Wayne Selden is on the roster, so. No, you know, he's not it, anymore. So oh, not not, oh my god! Can you I make myself more, right now. more uninformed? Yeah, yeah. How, I where, mean, where should I go from here? Should I talk about Theo Pinson's presence on the bench? Yeah, Theo Pinson is really. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy his team chemistry. So we need him on the fifteen. What do you think roster. about Reggie Bullock right now? <laughs> you know, I wish he could do more off the dribble. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, we we don't know what that roster is going to look like. The fifteen spot is always like. My point is the 15 – who fucking cares about the 15th spot? You know what I mean? It could be him. It could be someone else. Who knows? We'll have to see what the roster looks like. They have a pretty deep roster relative. You know, this is what we're talking about. There's so many rotation decisions, right? If they do some consolidation, it, it could be easy for him to make the 15-man roster. If he can – you know, if he shows that he's he's aware that he's almost out of the league and starts giving a shit – he can make the 15-man roster. The guy's talented, right? He got taken in the first round. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, he has a shot. I, I don't know how likely, but he definitely has a shot. Yeah, I think what's more likely than him making the 15-man by the end of the year is just that he ends up uh, just getting called up from the G League and getting some run, especially if the Knicks, you know, are not in a position to be sort of like contending down the stretch mm-hmm. um, or, you know, like playing for a playoff spot kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, then maybe they'll bring him up and just be like, let's see what we have with this kid at the NBA level after right. like a whole season in the G League. Um, or, you know, it's also possible that he just doesn't get the call up this year. They kind of made it sound like they might not call him up this year, um, which also could be sort of a play to try to keep his eligibility open to keep him on a two-way next year. Um because there is certain rules in place where, like, if uh, after, although they lighten them up a little bit this year with COVID and everything, but there were rules in place that maybe will get reinstated next year where, like, if you have a certain amount of NBA time, like NBA games played or whatever, you can't sign a two way contract again. Um, so maybe they're trying sort of intentionally to keep them stashed down there 
develop him for a year and then bring him up next year, almost like a minor league player um, well, in baseball or something. So we'll see how it goes with him. But I, I hope we get to see him play in the big league this year because I think that would be really entertaining. Yeah, it'd be fun no matter what. He looks like a fun player for sure. Like he he can get up a bit. Like he's got he's got some explosiveness to him and like some fun to his game. So I, I think it would be pretty cool to, to get to see him up here. You've got mail. Uh, so, all right, we move to another question here. This one comes from Far Off the Mark, who, ah, crap, I think I actually, I did some questions for Mark earlier, and I didn't group this one in there. Uh, wow. At any rate, Far Off the Mark from the Discord, would it be a disappointment if Grimes' ceiling were John Starks? Mm, no. Yeah, I don't think that would be disappointing. I mean, I, I guess maybe from the perspective of Starks was like notoriously inconsistent. Um, but like, so his, his accolades here, uh, Starks was a one-time all-star in 1993, 94. Uh, he was a one-time all defense player. He was a sixth man in 96, 97. Um, six man of the year, I mean to say, and career averages, 12 and a half points, 3.6 assists, shot 41% from the field, 34% from three, uh, and 77% from the line. I mean, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said I had an intimate knowledge of like what he was like on the court. I know that he was considered generally to be kind of the heart and soul of a lot of those Knicks teams that he was on, uh, just by virtue of being, you know, his intensity and, you know, his, his ferociousness on defense and, you know, he was one of the few guys that really kind of gave Jordan a hard time from time to time. So, uh, if that's Grimes' ceiling, I mean, I'd love to shoot higher. Yeah. Uh, we already invoked Clay Thompson, but, right. you know. I mean, If listen, that's not where he ends up, that would be perfectly fine to me. We didn't we didn't really watch him, so it's really impossible for us to say. But wasn't Starks a starter on, like, one of the best Knicks teams ever? So, doesn't that say enough? Yeah, yeah. I mean, on the on the team that went to the finals, I think was the year that he was starting, where he mostly started that year. Um, he kind of fluctuated, like I would say, in like a J.R. Smith type way. I guess maybe more in like present day Alec Burks type way between like being uh, a starter, being a starter, nice. and being a six man. Yeah. Um, Still, major role on, on an actual contender. Says, yeah. I mean, that's if you're getting that kind of player anywhere, that's good news. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, also considering into this equation too is just the fact that Starks is like one of the most beloved Knicks of all time. Right. So yeah. you know, if that's how Grimes ends up, where we just end up, you know, writing songs about him for years, you know, uh, then I think that's totally good. I think that's a, you know, a, a really good outcome for a career for him for a twenty fifth pick in the draft. So yeah. yeah, that's fine by me. I guess. I guess. Also, the other thing is, if Grimes' ceiling was John Starks, like that, I, I'm assuming that this is like he hits his ceiling, and that's the best he ends up being. In yeah, I, yeah. That was my interpretation as well. Yeah, not that just like that's all we could ever see him being as of right now. Right, because he obviously is already a better three point shooter than Starks. So. At least more consistent. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I'm good with that. You've got mail. Uh, all right, next question also comes from the Discord. Old Terra uh, asks, I know it's like a signature move on defense, but every time Kemba takes a charge, I'm like, what the fuck? 
Dude is undersized and already injury prone. Maybe stop getting run over by bigger dudes. (laughs) Do you agree that it's such a bullshit show of quote unquote dedication? (laughs) That thought definitely enters my mind a lot. Yeah. That Kemba's like 160 pounds. And yeah, like, seriously. I'm pretty sure me and you could chuck him over and hurt him. Oh, for sure. I yeah. mean, we're, yeah, we outweigh him by probably like 70 yeah, we, pounds. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, it's not that hard. Um, yeah. And, and you know, are bigger than him by like four inches. So, or maybe even more than that if he's yeah, not actually four. six feet tall. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a good, is, he seems pretty adept at doing it with minimal damage to himself, but I will yeah. say that sometimes when he steps in there and there's like Joel and B driving the lane and he's like, let me try to draw this charge. I'm like, don't do that. Yeah. I'm with you. And I'm with old terror here. I will say, I don't think it's a, it's not a bullshit show of dedication. I, I appreciate like, he doesn't have to do that. Um, I wish he could play good defense in other ways instead. Um, but I appreciate that he will put his body on the line. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's an injury-prone player. He's small. He has bad knees. What? Taking those hits is kind of objectively stupid. Um, and that's all there is to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I, You know, it's one of those things that, like, you kind of just wish at this point in his career he would just sort of let himself grow out of. Yeah. Also, unfortunately, I mean, it's one of the only things that he does super effectively on defense, too. (laughs) The probably the only thing. Yeah. At this point, other than like, I would say the only other thing he occasionally does well is the uh, the like very quick shade over double team for the strip steal. Mm, But other than that, like it's pretty much just charges or bust. Yeah. So if he lets that go, then he's pretty much officially done on defense. Yeah, exactly. Um. But yeah, so it's a it's a sticky situation there with him. Also, Ben the charge. I'm so sick of sick, even from guys on our team. I it's every night. It's the most dangerous play. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's pretty rough. Uh, it, it leads to a lot of potential for like undercuts and stuff like that unintentionally. Yeah, and, and all these scuffles are during this shit too. It's just, yeah. just fucking get rid of it. It's so dumb. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of dumb. You've got mail. Uh, all right, move to our next quote-unquote question here um this is not a question this is an order yeah so our our buddy hug life uh in the discord uh and we've definitely had some variation of this before so i feel like we already have a consensus on this but uh hug life wants us to count to three together and then yell out who is the prettiest stricklander so are you ready for that i issued a caveat that i only have seen like 30 percent of us in person at any point if you if well, you don't have to have seen them in person. If you no, even on the internet, I don't know what anybody looks like. Okay, all right. Well, assuming that you know who this, otherwise I'll make the case for my person. But we'll we'll count to three and then we'll say. It. All right, ready? Okay. One, one, two, two three. three. Down me. Oh, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's obviously Alex. Oh, that's also wrong. No, it's it's Dallas. Period. It's Dallas. Um. Dallas. Yeah, Dallas, Dallas has got the nice nice glasses look, too. He's got, like, the perfect glasses for his yeah, vibe. Yeah, D- Dallas has that boyish charm. Yeah, you know? it's true. Got that, like, Justin Bieber look about him, whatever, but, like, not a piece of shit. It's true. You're right. I was brown-nosing. Yeah, I was are. thinking Dallas. Minus 10 points for okay. Hufflepuff. Oh, you put um, me in Hufflepuff? I put you in Hufflepuff, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I've never been more insulted in my life. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
I'm gonna fucking start driving your house. Hey, hey Cedric, trouble. Cedric Diggory went there. It's a great house. I don't give a fuck, dude. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> I go for him. <laughs> anyway, all right, we've established Dallas definitely the prettiest Stricklander. You've got mail. Um, all right, Zebo one eighty seven. Oh man, I totally forgot to. Yeah, dude, up. you are fucking up today. I am a mess. All right, uh, Zebo is back <laughs> for a second stint. Is Randall still a Nick by RJ's second contract? Ooh. <laughs> Bear in mind his second contract. Uh, I guess this really depends on when the contract starts or when it's negotiated, but it will probably be negotiated and agreed to this summer uh, before the start of next season. Um, God, I hope so. Let's just get the Charlie Ward curse over with, please, yeah, God. And just lock RJ up. But yeah. So, you know, if they lock it up by this time, I would say that absolutely Randall will still be a Nick by the time he signs the dotted line. What if we say by the time that contract kicks in? Yeah, which which would be not this next season, but the season after. Is I say RJ's yes. I say still in. yes. Yeah, I think yes as well. I don't think they're going to trade Randall. People don't want to hear that, though. That would only be like the second year of Randall's new contract. So unless something goes so wrong that Randall himself is like, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah, which could be. Which know. maybe. He already seems yeah. like the, the cracks are showing a little bit in the yeah. in the sidewalk here, you know, of, of or the cracks in the marble of Randall. Um, you know, m- maybe he does say, you know what, screw New York. <laughs> this, I thought this was right for me, but then the crowds came back and no, now I don't exactly. like it anymore. <laughs> Um, but I, I don't know. I think, I think he'll still be on the team and hopefully things will have been more sorted out and they will be, I mean, I think Randall and RJ have actually this stretch where RJ has been playing so well. I think he and Randall have actually been playing great together. So yeah, I think they do play well together. That's why I'm saying. I think they're, they're gonna, they're going to try to figure this out. Like, yeah. There is something there. Uh, you just have to figure out how to use it the right way. Right. Um, and, and I think it basically plays off of like, the way I would see it working ideally in the future is right now Randall's gravity and like the respect that he still commands based off last year is opening RJ up to try new things in his game and like succeed basically. Like he's getting so much more space on the floor by the fact that the defense pays attention to Randall. Yep. I think going forward, it would just sort of be like a like a back and forth arrangement between the two of them where they're allowed to thrive by defenses spending a lot of energy on either one of them. Um, and whoever's not getting that extra attention at the moment can be the one that can sort of eat that day. Um, and I, I hope that's how things go for them going forward in the future. Cause I would love to see a world where Randall kind of refines himself and how he was last year. Yeah. Cause I think that's obviously the best, uh, the best scenario here. Right. But all right, we've made it to the end of the regular questions. Uh, now we've, we've made it to Nick's mail.bag after dark. Hello ladies. So if if you're listening and you don't care for all the weird bullshit that we get asked in the Discord <laughs> stuff, then don't worry about it. Don't worry about listening to this part. You can turn the podcast off now. Thank you. Yeah, so much honestly, for I encourage you to leave. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Check out the Patreon if you haven't already. All that good stuff. This is probably also the second part of the podcast at this point. It's another ungodly long podcast. <laughs> Uh, but if you want to listen to these few weird questions that we got, fucking guys, yo, <laughs> stick around. 
It's so funny. Right. You've got mail. All right. So first question comes from our buddy James Marcita. This one's for you, Zach. I'm glad that this is for you here. Yeah, this is perfect. What's going on with Zach's love life? I, I just want to point out a couple things. Number one, what is his new name? The identity have what is this what bit is this now? I assume the bit is just that he has an identity and he's comfortable in his own skin or something. And <laughs> that sounds right. Uh, I, I love that you don't even know for sure, but I think you've given us a really good guess here. And I, I just know that. I know James well enough at this point to right. kind of know what his what his bits are, and that right. just feels like how he would be playing this name. So Yeah, that's a good point. Someone said he has no identity, and now he's just going to be this guy for the next He's like, I have an identity, and I know who I am. I'm comfortable in my own skin, and right. I'm so-and-so. <laughs> right. So. Uh, wow. I, I can't believe we've gotten away from the Irishman. This is... Uh, yeah. Or Tally James. Yeah, right. Or, uh, Liv Moss, development coach. Yeah. We've gone through a lot with him. A classic. Uh, anyway. I do also want to point out that he used my real name. I think this is my fir- the first time ever. Oh, yeah. That's that's a plus. He didn't call you yeah. Wes. Yeah, weird, dude. That shows I think, he's uh, genuinely concerned about your love life. Yeah, exactly. how's, how's things going, man? Have any good question. dates lately? Uh, what? Have you had any good dates lately? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm kind of um. I don't want to speak too loudly because I'm kind of seeing this girl in my building. Uh, this Ooh. is kind of yeah. Oh man, you will. Uh, I mean, you might like this. You you. I feel like you have a little bit of a romantic side to you, so you might appreciate this. Um, so this girl's in my building. She. I, I had met her before. Uh, in the elevator in passing, I talked to her a couple times. Actually, ironically, she knew my ex-girlfriend, uh, <laughs> who, for people who don't know, I lived with my girlfriend for a long time in the very building that I am in now. Uh, so, obviously, me and my now ex-girlfriend broke up. So, I saw this girl uh, in, in and around the building, and I talked to her a couple times. And you know me, I could not get the balls to ask her out because I'm a fucking wuss. Okay? So... Every time I would see her, I'd be like, oh, now's the time. And I'd just start panicking. And I'd start acting weird and be like, oh, I got to get out of here. I can't, I'm not doing it now. I'll do it next time. <laughs> Every single time. So one day, finally, I talked to her for like an extra long amount of time. The elevator had taken a really long time. And I was like, oh, dude, I feel like she likes me. I feel like this is going well. And I still didn't fucking do it. So I had happened to see that she had gotten out of her car. I saw what car she had. And I was like, okay, this is either about to be the creepiest thing ever or this is I'm going to be like a – I'm going to look real good right now. So I, I just wrote a note um, with her name on it and was just like, hey, you know, it was really good to talk to you. I was just I, I pulled the like, you know, uh, I was honestly really intimidated. I wanted to ask you in person, but I couldn't get the balls to do it. So uh, if you want to get to know me a little bit, a little bit better, we could grab some coffee. Here's my phone number. Put on our windshield wiper. And she finally she texted me the next day. So I've been kind of seeing her. Nice. Uh, look at you. Since then. Yeah. And look that's it. There's nothing else going on. You're just lucky that she didn't like not see it and then it just like blew off. Yeah. Dude, I thought she might think it was a ticket. And, yeah, like, a ticket. Like or, tear like, it up and burn it. Or like a like a fast food menu that they yeah, go exactly. around in your windshield. Fuck these people just throw it into the street. <laughs> and then, and she'd, then see I your, think, she'd see your name on it and be like, what the fuck? This targeted yeah, marketing bullshit. Exactly. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I can't believe they're going this far to, to put handwritten letters. Fucking get this shit out of here. And then, of course, the worst part would be I thought she would just be like, or, or like the wind blew it away. That's what I was worried yeah. about, too. Worst, the wind blows. But in your head, you'd be like, oh, God, I'm an idiot. Exactly. I can never speak to her again. Exactly. Yeah. I can never say a word to her again because she rejected me. But she didn't. So everything's fine. Good stuff. Well, yeah. That's that's a nice update. What a nice little story. Maybe we should do this every week or every two weeks. <laughs> okay, sure. We'll yeah, get a sure. little update update on how the the love life is going. Yeah, I'm gonna have to be careful though because 
she knows I do a podcast. So, oh, is she a Knicks fan? This one, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't Probably do Knicks fans. Probably for yeah, the best. it is for the best. Can you imagine trying to explain this shit? <laughs> yeah. Or just, or just like talking on here and then having to continue to talk about that all the time with your, you know, girlfriend or whatever. That would just, yeah, be like, yeah. yeah. I'm glad that my wife is not exactly any more interested in the Knicks than she has to be to Alex, pretend that she cares. You don't shit where you eat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You've got mail. Anyway, all right. Our next question in the Nick's mail dot bag after dark uh, comes from Doug, uh, <laughs> aka Drew Steele. Does Kevin O'Connor have a hog? <laughs> this is deranged. Basically, does he have a big dick? <laughs> this is absolutely deranged. Yeah, I'm gonna go with no. I just can't imagine a world where he does. Dude, here's the thing: he definitely does because he's he's such a he's such a chill bro. Only. The chillest of bro, the chill bros are the ones with the big dicks. Okay, yeah. the, the ones who are the ones who get up in arms, and the ones who get crazy are the ones who are insecure about the size of their peen. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I feel like that's not a hard and fast rule, though. Like, no, nothing is a hard and fast rule, Alex. I, I, this is not. This is based on literally nothing. Okay. All right. <laughs> We're going to go split decision on this one. I, I think he doesn't. I just can't envision a world where Kevin. We'll, we'll check with Matt on, uh, on, on Slack later. We're just going to need to assign someone to go look at all of his like Twitter posts of him like playing <laughs> guitar and like inspect his junk <laughs> yeah. very closely. See if he has a surge of Baca. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, look that. Uh, yeah, Google that shit, everybody. I was about to say, since, since we're in the After Dark segment, yeah, that's, go ahead and Google, like, Serge Ibaka gray sweatpants uh, if, you, <laughs> if you get a chance. <laughs> You'll um, never forget it. <laughs> You've got mail. All right. Uh, next question comes from Ace B. What's going on with Zach Lowe's love life? <laughs> I love how this is evolving. This is great. Isn't, isn't Zach Lowe married or something? I, I'm pretty sure he is. How do you yeah. think that's going for him? I assume he's happily married. Yeah, me too. I also assume that. He seems like a nice guy, even if he uh, you know, is a little unfair in his Knicks coverage. We can't judge yeah. everybody based off how they cover the Knicks. I, I respect Zach Lowe because he is a fucking dork just like me and you, and he owns it. And yeah. I respect that. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a pretty cool dude, ultimately. Uh, so, yeah, I think his love life's going okay. You've got mail. All right, uh, now... <laughs> Oh here's, my god! <laughs> here's the closeout. Uh, so, sh- and you know what? We can we can discuss whether we want to pass on this or not right now, live. But you've got mail. Schwinn asks, guess the order of the size of your wieners from smallest to largest. Okay, so I just want to point out that this is way more funny when there's more than just me and you. Yeah, if, if Matt was here, well, well, the dynamic changes, right? Well, now we now we get to speak for Matt, so that's well, oh, that's fun. true. So Matt um, is definitely the smallest, and then and then far off the mark, uh, it adds to that. You've got mail, and guess if the others are growers or showers. Yeah, okay. So Matt is the smallest, and he's a shower. So it's just a really bad situation oh, over there. Yeah. That's so mean. I'm sorry. I don't make the rules. He showed it to me. I can't do anything. Should, should we just uh, should we just deem that you and I are tied since we're like yes. for like the, yes. we're very physically similar anyway, right? And and the fact is, Alex, we have perfect dicks. 
Yeah. And this is scientifically proven by the Pythagorean theorem. Yeah. Uh, all right. Real talk, though, without having to get into to inches and, you know, whatever. Are you a, are you a grower or a shower? Oh, I'm de- I am 100% a grower, and I, I kind of well. wish I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, it makes you feel a little silly when it's not. Yeah, dude, like, I'm. You know. do, did you ever have those shower? Did you ever have the, you know, the, the like, the fucking 80s movie where you go in the fucking shower and everyone sees your dick in, in like, middle school and everyone laughs at you? Did you ever have to actually do that? I never no. had to do it, but I was scared of it. No, yeah, I never did, and I was also scared of it. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably like, why. It's normal. I, I just got to fucking get a boner. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, just gotta, let me just, it's like, normal, guys. Let, let me just fluff before yeah. I take Let me a go in the corner and fucking jerk off for a second, and then we'll, <laughs> then we'll talk. <laughs> Fuck you. All right. Well, that's middle been, school this, for you. This has been a good talk. We're both both growers, and <laughs> Matt's a small shower. We <laughs> determined that that's the answer here. And and no one has ever lied on this show, so you can take us. You can take us at face value. You can absolutely, ladies, line up to the left. <laughs> but don't, because you're seeing a girl that you kind of like. <laughs> yeah, married, please don't. So. Please but- give me ten minutes first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it. Uh, Zach, do you have anything that you want to uh, promote before we... Uh, no, I've never promoted anything. Uh, it, well, you can promote anything. something that's not something you're working on. Um, I, I, um, Are you watching anything interesting on television? Uh, no. What the fuck do I do with my time? I don't know. I don't know. What's don't happening know. to me? I don't know. I just finished watching uh, like a whole bunch of World War II docs on Ooh, Netflix. Sweet. Which one? Um, what were they called? It was like the the older one from 2019 was called like the the greatest battles of World War II in color or something like that. Oh, so it was um, World War II in color, probably some compilation of some kind. Well, so it's like they took a whole bunch of footage and like really well colorized yeah but so sorry what i mean is there's actually a show called world war ii in color oh it sounds like yeah there it sounds like they just took bits of that and like put it together no it's like an all-new original documentary oh interesting then they just took the title that seems like a copyright infringement or maybe it's just like a new age version of it or something i don't know could be maybe they found more footage yeah maybe but so, like, the one from 2019 was actually the one I watched second because it got recommended to me after I watched the, the newer one. Um, but the 2019 one does, like, all the big major battles. Like, um, you know, it's got, like, the like Pearl Harbor and, okay. um, you know, that whole thing. And, and Is it from the American perspective or does it also have, like, Stalingrad and shit? No, they do a good job of balancing it out. Like, yeah, they also cool. showed Stalingrad and... Um, they have experts from like all over the world. So there's some American, some German, some Russian, some, Interesting. Um, some Japanese, like they have everybody come on to give like, which streaming service is that Netflix? Nice. Yeah. I'm going to um, check that out. So there's the one from 2019, which I think is called like the greatest battles. And then there's like the one that just came out covers like some lesser known battles and stuff, but ones that were still really important. Okay. Um, so like instead of I, I already forget the names of some of them if I'm being completely honest. I was just gonna add god damn it. Um, there was like another battle that wasn't the Battle of Midway that they were like, this one was actually like arguably more important than Midway, ooh, and here's why. Ooh, um ooh. stuff like that, like some oh, air shit. air combat missions and stuff See, like that. See, I know a lot. I mean, I used to know, I used to read all this shit all the time. So I'm yeah. like, there's like so, but it's good. And battle. it's like all with the same um generally with like the same experts. Like they had, you know, this this really good uh, I don't want to call them a panel because they weren't all together, but you know, like this grouping of experts that all went through. It was a really good, 
really good cool. show. I am probably going to watch that. Yeah, just like search World War II in on Netflix, and there's two of them that say like one is like greatest battles of World War II in color, and the other one is like right like key battles, or you know what I mean. They they phrased it a certain way so that it was like you know the the newer one is like the ones where it's like here's right. the ones that you may not have heard as much about a minor cool difference. Footage. Yeah. So All anyway, right. that's what I'll plug. It was it was good documentaries. It's good to learn, and it's good to learn how to avoid fascists in the future. Hopefully, although we're doing a piss poor yeah, job well, right now. Let's not get um, ahead of ourselves. Yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves yet. We still have to get through uh, a potential Trump 2024 run. So, um, But either way, yeah, that's that's my recommendation. So those of you that stuck around through, good God, like two hour and a half long parts yeah, of this podcast. a lot of dick talk. Yeah, thanks thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks for our version of the Mail.Bag. But, of course, uh, Schwinn and either Jeremy or Drew will be back next week to do the uh, – the Patreon version, if you want to sign up for the Patreon, for the $6 tier, you can get that. And for the $9 version, you can get the all-inclusive content package where you get everything that we offer as far as extra content with podcasts and written stuff. So check that out. But until next time, thanks, everybody, for listening. Peace out. We will talk to you all in two weeks. house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.